week, we are joined by Laura Nielsen, Territory Manager for PMA Canada. We have a terrific conversation with Laura where we talk about her extensive experience as a supervisor and manager throughout her career, the importance of training people to a high standard, taking pride in your job, and her current role at PMA Canada. And we also touch upon her love of musical theatre. It's a conversation you're definitely going to enjoy. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. I'm your host, the producer extraordinaire, Dan Soretta, is with me. That's me. What's going on? Uh, not much. Just enjoying the summer so far. Yeah, work is cutting into my fun time, but I can't pay the bills without working like a chump. Yeah. And you, how's the summer coming along? It's good. Uh, let me take a little time out to talk about <laughs> a bunch of fucking idiots. Uh <laughs> And I'm just going to say this, uh, I don't care if you're listening to this show and you're not vaccinated at this point, then you're not only stupid, but you're a selfish asshole. <laughs> and like, what, at what point is it that you're like, I, the excuses I hear are, oh, well, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Like, if I end up having to do it, then I'll have to do it. I'm like, what makes you so fucking special that you don't have to, have to take any social responsibility? Mm. Like, we all take it for you. Yes, or I trust my immune system to take care of me. Oh, yeah, we heard that one the other day. That's a good one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've just had it. Like, I, as someone whose business has been so drastically affected by this pandemic, it's frustrating as hell for me to see uh, like selfish motherfuckers out there just being like, uh, it, it's either going to work itself out or I'll just wait and see how the, the, the vaccine affects other people. And then maybe I'll consider it. Like, how selfish is that? That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And, and, and that's just business. Let's talk about all the fucking people who are dying. Like, well, well, that's fine, though. Yeah. That's fine. They were old. They needed to die. That's the, that's the other one I've heard. I've had it. I am about the yeah. vaccine mandates. You, it, like, it, honestly, no one should be forced to get a vaccine. But I will tell you this. You should, you're, you're, what you're able to do in society should be restricted if you're not getting a vaccine. Fuck it. No more bars for you. No more restaurants. No more flights. No more church gatherings. No more sporting events. No more sporting events, concerts. And no shopping at the mall. No shopping at the mall. And it's all your choice because you (laughs) had a chance to get a miracle drug and you were too dumb to take it. And the thing is, too, we had vaccine mandates for polio and measles forever now. And guess what? We don't have any more in society. Fucking polio. (laughs) (laughs) We do have fucking measles because some anti-vaxxers started. Jenny McCarthy? Yeah. Well, Jenny McCarthy. (laughs) She did a lot of good for the world, but (laughs) she really backed it up terribly for it. (laughs) Anyway, that is my rant. Fuck you, anti-vaxxers. People who are vaccine, quote unquote, hesitant. It's enough already. Like, it's like the old George Carlin line. When you think about how stupid the average person is in society, then think about the people who are below average. <laughs> it's, uh, it's enough. It's enough. And that's, that's all I have to say about that. Hopefully, most of you listening were smart enough to get a vaccination and, uh, and, and join all the rest of us as we get back to regular life and mm-hmm. let the other people be restricted. Oh, their freedoms. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, enough of that. Let's get down to the business of the, what we actually do on this show, which is talk to people in the service industry. We have a great guest, Laura Nielsen, is going to be joining us in just a minute. Good friend of ours, good friend of the show. She's also been responsible for a few of our guests in the past, John McPherson, Juki, the Tequila Fairy, as well as Aaron Mail, who was on the show. Most of these guests were lined up by our friend Laura, who's going to be joining us in a, a brief moment. And yeah. uh, she also, all those episodes are available in the archives, which you clearly should be listening to and mm-hmm. catching up. If you want to be on the show, you should DM us at the Industry Podcast, or you can email us at, at us. I always forget the address. So. Yeah, info at 
theindustrypodcast.club. Yes. That is correct. Info at theindustrypodcast.club. So you can email us there. Uh, in addition, if the best way to help the show is to subscribe, rate, review. It's so easy to do. And it really helps us out. It makes us happy. So if you can do that, that'd be great. And of course, as always, a big shout out to Zach Hanna of Zach Hanna Design for the amazing artwork he does for us all the time. You should be checking out Zach Hanna for all your graphic arts needs. Yes, and we'll have links to all that uh, in the show notes as well. Okay. Well, that's enough uh, out of my fucking mouth. Let's bring in somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Laura Nielsen, how's it going, buddy? Hey, guys. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. No, yeah. thanks for doing yeah, it. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, no, appreciate it. So uh, I saw Laura just recently because we had our second year anniversary at Oops. Sugar Run. Oh, your second year? Yeah, second year. I mean, we were close for about a year of it, but, <laughs> but it Don't happened. Count. And Laura Don't came count. down and brought us a lovely bottle of Florida Can of 12 year, which uh, helped me not remember the end of the night. <laughs> so thank you for that. Good. It was perfect gift. <laughs> yes. So it's great to have you on the show, Laura. Let's, and actually, I'm kind of excited because I've known you for what? couple years now years? Yeah. yeah and i really don't know anything about your background because uh, i'm superficial like that <laughs> honestly though it's the way the way i'm kind of telling people like, oh yeah i've been with pma for for two years but a, a year of that has been in lockdown so not know, superficial it, we just haven't so had weird. Yeah. the time to yeah. you know do our fun things that we can usually do so it's nice for things to be back open yeah we're getting there right yeah. so just to start out i'd like to say specifically what i mean about laura's so great she a couple of stories i'd like to tell about you before we get started is that one you, you were so amazing during the whole lockdown constantly reaching out to make sure we're doing okay which you didn't have to be doing most reps didn't you're awesome and, uh, yeah, and for those who don't know yet, Laura reps for PMA, which is one of the bigger liquor distributors in the country. And also, the last time we were allowed to have like a Christmas party, I just texted Laura and I was like, oh, I'd like to give some presents to my staff. Is there anything you can help us out with? And she fucking showed up at my house with, I don't know, <laughs> like a trunk load of uh, spark plug bottles of every kind of booze she wraps and, uh, and a bunch of accoutrements as well. And it was awesome. So I love you, Laura, and I'm glad you're on the show. Well, I adore you guys. And I'm, so, I'm just so happy to support and to be able to do anything and help in any way during this past year is if, if someone even emails me back, I'm super happy yeah <laughs> so the fact that you constantly text or call or email me back i just yeah. i'm so grateful yeah well i don't know I, it's funny we were talking i don't know who i was talking about was on the show or in person with somebody the other day i never understand the people who don't oh i was talking to you about it i think actually that uh, like i understand people who don't like return like have the common courtesy to return an email or a text to a oh, yeah. or a call to a rep and i'm sure you get this yeah. all the time all like, the time yeah, and it's just like, you're, I, I don't understand. First of all, okay, maybe you, you don't find a common cause that you guys can work together on. What's the big deal? You had a conversation, you got to meet somebody who's nice. Like, but more than that, so often you guys do so much for bars. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And then we'll get into your background a little bit. But talk to us a little bit about, for people who don't know, all the shit that you can do to be helping out bars that they're not recognizing. And, and do you ever get frustrated by the fact that they just don't <laughs> understand that you're trying to help? <laughs> You know what? I think a part of it is, you know, 
It depends on who you're talking to. So when you're when you're dealing with reps in general, there's there's many things that they can do. But the way we look at it is we're here to work with you and help build your business. And I think that's what um, that's what's sometimes missed is that maybe they're not maybe owners or or management aren't necessarily thinking of it that way. They're maybe just like, oh, these people are just trying to sell me stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get me to buy more things, but. But in reality, you know, we're trying to help you build your business, which in turn, it obviously helps our business. But, um, you know, PMA has been it's it's great. We we offer a wide variety of products. So, you know, we represent Glenfiddich. We represent Jack Daniels, Woodford Reserve Bourbon, Innocent Gun Beer, Florida Can of Rum, Jägermeister. So, you know, we've got this massive wheelhouse. So the way I look at it is there's a little something for everybody on there. Yeah. And the different things we can do, you know, include staff training. We can do POS support. We can, you know, offer cocktail recipes. If you're more of a pub style or like a mom and pop place and you just don't have time for that, we could do that. If you're looking mm-hmm. for posters, Instagram images, like it's it's kind of if you can think of it, we can maybe do it. Right. And it's and it's yeah. yeah, I just think it's something that's not maybe understood that that there's a lot of advantages of like to working with a rep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So one thing I would like to I'm interested in talking to you about is so you obviously PMA is a mass like has a massive portfolio and you you, like we've uh, talked to a lot of the people on the show who are like ambassadors sort of for certain brands on your portfolio, but you're responsible for knowing about all this shit. So like how, like, are you just drunk all the time or <laughs> are you like, how do you stay on top of like your portfolio and, and, and finding different ways to sell all the product to specific bars? And I know that you are, you're very good at targeting what, like would work for a certain establishment and not just going and being like, here's my fucking portfolio. What do you want? Exactly. I, you know what? I think, I think when you're doing your research as a rapper, when you're getting to know your accounts, I think a key is to get to know them, Mm -hmm. uh, go in and you have your meetings, you meet with your manager or your owner, not only get to know them, but get to know the business because that's going to give you a better idea as to, you know, what you can maybe offer them Mm -hmm. uh, or what kind of products may work. You can go in and see what they're already doing, things that work, things that haven't worked. Um, I, for me, my biggest thing is communication. Just talk to the person, talk Mm -hmm. to the person. If you're, if you want to ask them a question, don't be afraid. You're just having a conversation and that's, and that's all that it really is. But like for instance, for, okay, let's go look. Let's look at Juki. So she, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier for her in a way because she just has to know all things Tromba. Mm-hmm. Whereas you kind of have to know at least a little bit about all of the products, right? Or do you rely a lot more on the ambassadors to come with you in in a targeted situation? No, I I try to know you know background on the products itself. But PMA, you know, when we do, we'll do sales meetings. Um, every every year or twice a year and we get we're given brand presentations uh in our wheelhouse and in our programs that we have we have access to information sheets about product which is great if we're ever introduced to a new product we're usually given a presentation with a brand ambassador of some kind so you know we have to learn that as well but since starting with pma i've written my w set level two for wine and i just wrote my w set level two for spirits nice so they they want 
want us to kind of know not only the products but the background and they well. pay, and they pay for you to do that and give you the oh time yeah. To do it. yeah, it's, so, yeah so that's great. great like yeah that's good because I don't know I don't know if that's common for all I mean I guess you probably wouldn't know either you've only worked for them right I uh, think yeah. yeah I think across I know a lot of wine reps have to do sure. multiple levels of their W set wine but mm-hmm. um, as for other companies I'm not sure uh, but with this I I do think they really do give us the ability to be very prepared regarding your your product, which is great. That is good. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about, let's, let's take it back. Let's take it back a few years and um, talk about (laughs) how you got into this altogether. One of the things, and I've said this, I'm sure you've heard me preach this a million times, but as someone who's on the other side of the relationship with a liquor rep, um, you can tell immediately the people who, who grew up in the industry and the people who just were salesmen who got another sales job. And now it's like, I used to sell... Like cement, cement, and now I sell <laughs> liquor, right? Like, there's a big difference. Like, I, yes. I, I, I once had a beer rep. Um, well, it wasn't me. It was like the the woman I was dating at the time. She worked at a fine dining restaurant, and they had a beer rep come and try and hawk them stuff on New Year's Eve. That is no, <laughs> no, that right? that. That New Year's Eve quota. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, and so, and that's that's kind of where I'm getting at. Is it's, you can really tell the difference with people who understand the industry and people who don't. And I am a firm believer that there should be no liquor, beer, wine rep, however you want, whatever you're repping, that hasn't at least sledded some shifts on the floor. I, you know what, I, I have that experience. Mm. So for me, it's I find it's helpful, but like. You just said, how would that guy know that it's not appropriate to go into a bar on New Year's Day or like yeah, someone yeah. who were to like go in on the holy day of St. Patrick's Day? Right, imagine. Like, to yeah, someone. Like, yeah, I hear you guys sell some beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even uh, just showing up during lunch service or, yes, or, or during a dinner service. Yeah. Like go at, go the in-between hours. But again, yeah. like unless you're industry, you don't you, know. You and may, that, don't, may not yeah, know. No. And that, and fair, they don't know, but that's why they shouldn't be doing the job, uh, in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> so let's back it up. You are someone from the service industry. So yeah. how, did, how did you start out? What was your first service gig? Uh, oh, um, I always, I, I grew, definitely grew up in that family where my my dad was like, you want to go out with your friends? You got to get a job. So from a young age, I was always kind of doing stuff. Um, My parents said that too. So I started selling drugs. Oh, are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Well, yourself, you're an entrepreneur. That's right. (laughs) Self-motivated. I think that that's amazing. So I grew up, I grew up in a small town and I started, my first job ever was at a pizzeria. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's not industry, industry, but it's, you know, it customer so. yeah. customer service. Yeah. I then... And where went, did you grow up? I grew up in St. Thomas, Ontario. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. know where that is? Yeah, just yeah. south of London, right? Yeah. Yep. We, yep. Uh, Laura has to bear me making fun of London all at every single time that we have a meeting. <laughs> I think and at some point okay. she's just going to hit me, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. She still lives in London and loves it. So, but it's for me, it's like, yay, I'm not in St. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are they still making St. Thomas bus lines or something down there? Um, a lot of industry left that there, correct? Um, that I, 
It was, there was a big Ford plant in St. Thomas, like just outside of St. Thomas yeah. that had a lot of businesses. There used to be a lot more bars there. St. Thomas in the early 1900s was the railway capital of mm -hmm. Canada oh, at okay. one point. And it's just this tiny little town. And we're also famous for murdering the elephant jumbo. Have you well, heard of right. this yep. story? Yep. Yes. And we thought this I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Do you <laughs> want me to tell you? Oh, yeah. yeah. You tell everyone okay. about this. I'll put a link to this in the show notes, so, by the way. Absolutely. So there's this giant statue of an elephant in St. Thomas. It's legit a thing. Um, so the story goes, um, <laughs> early 1900s, uh, a circus came to town. Uh, Jumbo was the big event of the circus. He was the biggest like elephant people had ever seen. Um, and because they were a traveling circus, obviously they traveled by foot. Mm. Um, the story goes that there was a wee elephant named Tiny Tom or Tiny Tim, who was best friends with Jumbo. You're making and, this up. No, no I'm not. This is, this is like great. stuff we learn in elementary school or like these are the stories we whisper to All each right, other. Sorry. So continue. So I'm gonna continue. So the story goes when they were when the circus was traveling. Um, they went to leave Tiny Tom or Tiny Tim, whatever the heck his name was, was stuck on the railway tra railway tracks and Jumbo went to save him. Jumbo was hit by a train and killed. And the story is St. Thomas killed the world's biggest elephant. Da -da 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 -da. And so you built, a, you built a statue of him to like... Huge, huge memorial statue. Out, out of pride? It, I don't know. <laughs> they, have, they have a little railway cart beside the statue and it's literally a tourist spot. That's so Thomas. fucking weird. So it's it's just a, a, this funny story, and that's what we're known for. Well, St. Thomas is known for, and uh, it used to be the railway, yeah, railway city of Canada. And uh, so I'm surprised that you were itching to leave that town. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, would, so yeah. let, let's get back. Let's get back to I did not see that spirit. story coming. I have a little. No. Uh, that's, that's I did that story a bunch of years ago. No? Uh, I thought it was uh, the yeah. funniest thing. Huh. Yep. Uh, I, just they, think, they I think the funniest part is like they like they murdered the elephant and, and then they, they built a statue to commemorate sure. that. Sure. It's, it's, it's all good yep. after yeah, that. We, we got that fucker good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good after that, right? <laughs> we, we murdered the only. know what was coming. <laughs> we murdered the only elephant in North America. Yeah. Congratulations. It's like if you went to Walt Disney World and there was a giant statue of Bambi's mom. <laughs> <laughs> just, just her head mounted to a plaque. That's all. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> all right. That's so okay. funny. We got off track. This, this no, that's okay. Look, see, we bring you on the show and we already start spiraling out of control. Um, okay, so let's go back to you and your career. You started working at a pizzeria in yeah. Santa. I worked at a pizzeria when I was like 14 or 15. Um, I worked there for a good year. So that was like my first little entrance into... The, the the fast food kind of industry. Mm. Out of curiosity, do you still make pizza on your own now after working at a pizzeria all those years I ago? do. Mm. I do. But at the time, there the the owner at the time, he had rules. Girls didn't make the pizzas. They take <laughs> they take the orders and take the uh, phone calls and work the till. Mm. And uh, then I got I can I can make so pizza true. boxes come flat, right? Mm. I can fold a pizza box and like five seconds oh you still got oh, it nice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i still got it i can't do those things at all we uh, i worked at a place where we had to do that for a while and i was like literally like i i don't think i'm left-handed or right-handed you're just, <laughs> just they don't, don't work they don't work they don't work <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay. So, so, uh, so yeah, I worked there. Um, yeah, 14 or 15. And then after that, I worked at a subway in St. Thomas. I was a sandwich mm. artiste. Oh, my wife was a sandwich artiste as well. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but like, and I've talked to her about that as well. And like that, those jobs teach you a fucking lot about the service industry, ironically. And the other one that we get on this show all the time is Starbucks as being one of those places. Oh, yeah. That really, yeah. That really, they have a good, I've heard Starbucks has an amazing training program mm-hmm. though. Yeah. yeah and that, but, don't, but these are the jobs that kind of, because what they teach you is like time management and like and like and like how to do multiple things at once yes and probably yes. portion management too. I'm guessing, right? Oh, what's that? Portion management. Portion management. Depending Fuck, on the shifts I worked, yeah. I would get either a free six inch or a free twelve inch. Yeah. So then that'd be like my dinner. But yeah, yeah. I was in grade. I was in grade eleven and twelve when I was when I was there, and I became um, one of their. Uh, managers on weekends. So on Friday oh, and wow. Saturday, yeah, Friday and Saturday nights, I was the the closer. And I remember being the person in charge. So I'd be obviously doing all the cash stuff at the end of the night, but like rolling the dough. Be, I was there till like three in the morning. I don't sure. know. That's yeah. pretty good for such they, a young age. To be yeah. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah, you really was, took it beyond artiste. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing, I was doing, I was, I think it was just in reality, it was probably I was trustworthy. They had no one else, so they gave it to me. But you, uh, <laughs> like, let, let me just say this: I think that, like, like I have read your bio as well. This is something that happens to you all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. you start out somewhere working, yeah. and then in no time, you're sort of running the spot. So, like, what do you think it is about you specifically that they start? That people see you in you right away. The fact that you can like be trusted in management or you've got the skill set what is your skill set that makes you um that that sort of lends yourself your personality to that those sort of roles um specifically for like management stuff i'd say i i have really high expectations for myself and because of that i won't let myself give mediocre And I've always, I've always been like, I think it's something my dad instilled in me. He's just like, always be proud, always be proud. And, um, I, well, I, I think I think that's that, amazing because you yeah. clearly come from a city that has very low expectations for itself. Oh, you're not it's wrong. Like, it's like killing an elephant is like something to be celebrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not to mention just like a lot of people who you know not to trash on St. Thomas like cut, edit this part out. But that's people, my that's my job. People in St. Tom people in St. Thomas they don't they don't leave. There's a lot of teenage pregnancies. Yeah. There's a yeah, lot yeah. of obesity. There's a lot of. Um, a lot of drug use right now. The drug yeah. use is in the I've been Kingston. It's very similar. Like, it's, it's, Kingston's very similar. If there wasn't a university in Kingston, it would only be that way. Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. okay, so you, you, you finished at Subway. At what point do you break into, like, what you consider your first, like, industry job? So, when I was, I went to university in Guelph. So I moved to Guelph and my dad's whole thing was, okay, if you are moving away and you want to live in residence or you're going to rent a townhouse, you know, as you go through um, your years in university, he just said, you're going to have to get a job. No problem. I worked worked at a Rogers video for like three years. Loved, loved that job. I got two free rentals a day. Watched a lot of movies. The old, you um, don't seem, no offense, but I, I actually don't even know how old you are, but you don't seem old enough to be live, grow, have grown up in the video rental world. Oh my gosh. We were, so I'm 34. Oh, okay. And, yeah, 34. And. Must be the oil of LA. It's, 
it's, I think it's my, my Danish background. Like my dad is 60, my dad's 62. And every time we go out together, people think we're a couple. Yeah. It's gross. It's gross. But like my dad doesn't have a, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have a gray hair on his head. Oh, okay. So hopefully I just continue to age that way. And is he blondie? No. So dark, dark. Like, oh, okay. I guess like this, but oh, like, okay. I don't know. I, th- I think it's the, the Danish. He's uh, all, all the Danish side of the family. They all hmm. look younger than they are. But okay. Thanks, so, so that's kind of interesting because like I always I love movies. And so when I was growing up, I always wanted to work at the video store. Like when I was like, but I said yeah. I went to a shitty grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. You go to, well, I went to Jumbo Video all the time to get the free popcorn. Jumbo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. London, Ontario still has a Jumbo. What? I won't lie. I've only London. Yeah, oh, you're you're, you're begging me to make fun of London. It's got, it's got to be in the east end of London for it sure. It is. It's on Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, um, I knew it. It's Adelaide and Huron, and I've I've gone before just to walk in, get popcorn, walk around. And leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How is that place still in business? Though? Like they don't even have blockbusters anymore. Uh, They're still kicking. It's just it's privately owned and wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guys, that's mob money. It, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. But, so, somehow they have twenty five hundred dollars in rentals every day yeah. all cash all cash <laughs> but you get people like my mom who she will still go out and rent videos she'll go out and rent videos oh, like shit. she i just gave her my login for netflix and <laughs> and but other than that she was going to jumbo forever no but, shit but yeah. yeah i grew up in a i was there we were very video store me my me and my brother video store kids we had a mm. jumbo in st thomas then it changed into rogers and then we got a blockbuster so when I, I actually started in St. Thomas, then when I went to Guelph, uh, just kind of said, I worked at one before, hire right. me. And then mm-hmm. they did. Um, but when I was leaving Rogers, I actually, I got, a, it was like a, I want to say four or five months. I worked at one of those wine racks at a Metro. Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw that in your bio. I thought that was interesting. I've never talked to anyone who worked in one of those stores. And like, I am a fucking wino and yeah. like, this is so, all ontario wine yeah i know and it's all bad ontario wine like <laughs> you, said it. you said it not me <laughs> so but that's interesting like what kind of a client what is the average clientele that comes in there are we talking about like soccer moms who or I'm, like it was at the time it was probably it was a lot of old ladies getting their boxed wine or like a bottle of sherry yeah, yeah. and um yeah, just, oh, you, yeah. it you was sold just sherry people. there yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow, they sold cherry. Yeah. Um, or like what? A, lo- um, a lot of horny single dads walking in because they saw a good-looking young woman. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I I actually have a creepy story. I have okay, a creepy story. I don't know if yeah. I you yeah. get yeah. give the uh-huh. creepy story. Yeah, we love them. So, <laughs> I me being me, I was like, what? This was. I want to say this was two thousand and. <sighs> 2007, 2008, when I worked at this wine rack. And uh, so I was in my early 20s. Um, My shifts would be like a Saturday morning until like the afternoon sometime. And there there was one day this gentleman came in and I just remember thinking, okay, super weird. He's just, you know, looking at the wine for like 10 minutes. I've asked him multiple times, is there anything I can help you find? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, and then I'd look up and he's like always staring at me, always staring at, at me. And I just, anyway, 
He's like, I already found it. Thanks, sweetie. <laughs> it, was, it was just very bizarre. And um, it kind of escalated where he continued to come in on a daily basis looking for me. And, mm. and it was just kind of weird. And I was also in my early 20s. And at the time, like, I feel this, this sounds horrible, but I feel like there's more an acceptance for women to stand up for themselves now. Oh, 100%. That's even 10 years ago. I was just uncomfortable. So I just let myself be uncomfortable. But it got to a point where one day I came to work and I was getting out of my car in the parking lot and he grabbed my arm in the parking lot and said he was there to see me. And then I had to get management involved and he was banned from the grocery store. It was, yeah, it was just creepy. And I just remember like, it sucked. It it made me feel crappy having to do that to someone. But I look at it now and I'm like, no, he had no right to do any of that. No. So. Yeah. And so, like, that's interesting. It's, it's a good thing to talk about because you go on and like, we'll we'll go through it as well. But I'm just saying, like, we can speed ahead a little bit. Like, you're in the industry. Like, obvi- like how many times has something like that happened to you? Like, you, you grow up, you grew up in an era where a lot of that stuff was more it was, deemed yeah. acceptable, even though it was clearly not. So Absolutely. It's... Like, um, countless countless times countless Mm. times and i it's i hate to say it but the industry is kind of like that weird gray area where that Mm. shit still happens oh yeah like the era i grew up in was all like ass grabbing and all this nonsense Mm -hmm. right and then and then stuff that seems normal like you look back at it now and you're just like what the fuck was going on yeah one of the best ones. Um, so after the wine, after after the wine rack, I got my first serving job, and uh, um, we our uniforms were like um, t-shirts and kilts. Um, it was an Irish uh, pub style bar, and I'll never forget. Um, I was behind the bar, and the way the the wood of the bar was, where customers could sit, um, it, the way it was shaped, the one of the stools was fairly close to where my till was or where right. the screen was. Like it kind of dipped in a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, like it was like a corner kind yeah. of thing. Um, I was at the computer one day punching stuff in and I turn around and a guy's leaning over the bar with his phone under my skirt, what? taking, taking a photo. Holy and I fuck. think that was, that I'd say was the worst. Um, the worst. That's pretty bad. He got legit thrown out. Oh, yeah, thrown like, onto the ground out. Head to but, open the door type thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't see I don't foresee that kind of stuff happening now, but No, but that, know, it's a different but that's crazy. No, so now the cameras are well more hidden yes, from yeah, a lot of these perverts. Yeah. That that's the just, honest truth. Like what would what would cross someone's mind to think that that's okay to do beer yeah yeah maybe yeah i don't well, know so beer that's actually what like this is something we never really talked about but uh on the show but this brings this to the forefront here what like how do you feel about like being forced to wear like uniforms like that where even like <laughs> like I don't, and i'm not saying obviously it's not because you were wearing the uniform that this guy felt okay to do that but but obviously those uniforms are objectifying you in in many ways yeah. I, you know what it t- totally they yeah. they are like the kilts aren't long or anything mm. the tops you know it was just like a normal black v-neck and everything at the time i was in my you sure, know, you're i was not in my 20s it, yeah. yeah looking back i thought i looked cute i yeah. still think i looked cute sure. i liked that uniform um at that time later on i i moved to um 
um, I worked at a Moxie's for mm. a number of years and the uniform uh, requirements there I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, I remember when Moxie's first became a thing. And I, because I remember, like, I can't even remember, like, one of somebody I worked with at the time was like, oh, we got to go check out this Moxie's. You should see the uniform. The, the, like, cute, the cute black dress, yeah, right? That was literally, like, the thing. And, so, yeah. And, and I guess if you're the owner of that place, that's exactly what you're trying to do attract creepy dudes to come and look at the women that work there. But, and I'm sure that's a great business plan, <laughs> but it's also horrific. It's yeah, it was it's interesting. And and I don't know what I think it's to be honest, I think it's much different now. I don't think um, there are certain requirements with moxies anymore. I see I think I've seen them trend toward the movements that we're now with like um, respectable things in the workplace. But at the time, um, if you worked in the lounge, you had to wear a skirt and a tank top. If you were cool. at the patio, it was skirt tank top or shorts tank top. And then in the la- in the dining room, it was dress pants and a blouse. And no matter where you were, heels. I am six foot one and yeah, I still had tall. to wear heels. Yeah. And it was the, to me, that was the worst part of the Well, like, that's also like, that's kind of like, I don't mean to like... Ex- <laughs> exaggerate this in any way but it's obviously nobody inhuman. needs to see a giant woman well not just that but it's inhumane like you're on your fucking feet all night working tables like mm-hmm. I mean I've never worked in high heels but like I, I, I've never heard one woman say man high heels are comfortable uh oh it's it was <laughs> like, like I and I'd work split shifts right so and I lived I don't judge. I lived in St. Thomas still. <laughs> I, when I moved back from Guelph, I lived in St. Thomas and had an apartment there and drove to London. Mm. But I'd work like an open over lunch break for three hours and then work dinner till close. And uh, my toes were mangled, you I guys. Like I'm talking, yeah. they were like, my toes were like this. And by the end, they were like this. Oh, my yeah. toes now are still not straight. Yeah, this is an audio show, so nobody can see what the fuck. Oh yeah, well I can show you guys. My toes curled up a lot, you guys. Yeah, yeah. It was was awful. Uh, Out of curiosity, what did the guys have to wear? Um, it was, well, there weren't a lot of guys who worked there. Right. They were usually, if guys did work there, they were either management, back of house, or bartenders, and it was usually black dress pants, nice top, um, like probably a black button up or with like a vest. And high heels. No high heels. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, uh, this is kind of an interesting conversation because it's like, again, we haven't talked about this on the show yet, but it's like, I, I've always been like anti-uniform in general because I think it's like, like I don't know, man, like I've worked in places where they need to wear a uniform and you just feel like you're not yourself, right? Like, yeah. you're not, like you're, you're, you're well, and we all play a role when we're mm-hmm. out there in servicing yep. guests. Like, I understand that, but like when you're, boxed into a uniform it's like that's literally subjugating your personality in in many ways so i've never been a fan of that in any of the places that i've owned but like the 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 subtext of that is like the uniforms are very different for men and women like yeah yeah they're 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 at least in the past like Mm. i assume we're seeing changes now but there's obviously been a huge discrepancy between male and female and i think that's just that's Mm -hmm. just unfortunately the way that the world 
not only the industry, but the world has been. It's there's yeah. this one expectation sure. for men versus women. And it is nice to see it change, mm-hmm. uh, though, because, I, you know, you hear about those bars out in like Calgary, like Cactus Club. Cactus Club was like the moxies of mm. of that area. And they kind of had the short skirts, small tops. But I've, from what I've heard is they've now steered away from that. And it's more of like casual and more comfortable. Oh, so you can, you can look at more, think of it this way. Like I think, remember when Earl's uh, came out and Earl's and Moxie's were kind of like each other's competitors. Mm-hmm. What I think Earl's did right is they said, your uniform's black. Wear whatever you want. Yes. Oh. Yes. And I so, think they yeah. did that. And so, like, it, my thing has always been, like, depending on the place that I've owned, it's just like, look, dress nice. That's, like, a, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to dress. I'm just like, you should you should not. Uh, and actually, Matt said this to me the other day, Matt, our head bartender. Shout out to Matt Houston. But he's like. He's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. So uh, he, he was, he put it the best way I've ever heard. He's like, you should, if you're a decent place that's charging you know a a reasonable amount for your drinks you should not be dressed worse than your guests (laughs) which is just like a good way to put it because i did have a the first bar i own yeah we had like a no uniform (laughs) just do whatever you want the next thing i know fucking people were showing up in board shorts and tank tops and or like rolled out of bed in yoga pants and uh, like a sweater like a sweater like i'm like no come on like I, I, if you if you get served a seventeen dollar cocktail by somebody who's wearing yoga pants and a puffy sweater or board shorts and a tank top, if it is the dude version of that, and I'm like, uh, why am I paying for it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's where like the whole like self pride comes in. It's like mm. if you look good, you're gonna probably make tips. So like yeah. dress nice, be comfortable, but. Like, yeah, take so a little self-pride. Take pride, yeah. Uh, although when you're partying all night long, it's hard to put that outfit on. Well, that's exactly what was the problem, I think. <laughs> Just make sure your pants are stretchy. That's yeah. it. <laughs> make sure they're stretchy. Do a couple lunges before you go out. If you can do it, then you're good. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but like eventually at some point you, I guess you were you were doing some modeling and some acting, and then you kind of came back to the industry a little bit. I just never, I just never left, and I never fully I, left. When I told you about that, and I, and and I think that's a super common thing. So in my free time to this day, like I I do a lot of theater here in London. Oh, you I do, do so of, cool. Yeah, wow. I do I do musicals. Like I'm I'm waiting for things to come back, but. Um, I went to university, discovered musical theater in university and was like, this is what I want. I want to be on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, told my dad, I want to graduate. I want to do just a BA. I want to go to college for musical theater. I did the whole um, audition thing, got into college, then decided not to, because then I decided I wanted to be a film actor. So when you're oh, trying oh, to... Sorry, support- you decided you wanted to be a what? A film actor. Oh, a film actor. Yeah, I, I did. I, like I did, I worked a lot. Yeah. I did a lot of like indie film work um, in Guelph with a couple of studios and got an agent in, in Toronto to, and I never wanted to do the modeling thing. That was just something that was kind of thrown my way. And I, to me, like it, sorry to change to this industry, but hmm. no models are actually six foot one tall in the modeling world is like five, seven, five to five, nine to five, 10. But I, oh, like, is that right? Yeah. I am oh. a giant. In You're that too tall world. for modeling. Oh yeah. 
What? Yeah. I thought. It's, I think we're all under the impression that models are super no, tall. No. 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 You meet. So you like meet a lot of these. Five twelve. I figured. Yeah. Oh. No. You meet Not a sure. lot of. You meet well, maybe a lot I was just under that impression. <laughs> yeah, no, I, they don't. I'm very stupid, that. though. No, you're not. No, you're not. God damn, but I saw it by fashion television. <laughs> yeah, no, they're all they're all like. Yeah, they're I mean, which is still seven to five ten. Oh wow, I would never guess that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was kind of put in this weird. My agent wanted me to do that and was trying to get me theater auditions, trying to get me film work auditions, and then of course because I was driving to Toronto, going to auditions during the day. What is the best job? to have yeah industry yeah so you know for a good i graduated university in 2008 and then i never ever left the industry mm. never yeah, left that's, that's exactly what happened to me except that i am not nobody wants to take pictures of me so instead i but the, 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 nobody the difference, wants to take pictures of me either the, okay. the difference is that i would like was for me was travel like uh, I, yes. I, I love traveling and it's also the best fucking job if you want to travel because yeah. you can you can make quick cash but you can get time off when you need to yeah. and if you have to quit a job for a while to go on a long trip then you can come back and find another one if you're good right exactly so, yeah <laughs> what's your favorite musical oh like of all time or oh, that you were in that I was in, mm-hmm. uh, I got to do the, this was a couple years ago, I did the Canadian premiere of Fun Home. I, don't I know have if you no idea what that probably, is. Probably, that's okay. Um, it's played in Broadway in New York. Um, for some reason, the theater company that I was working with in London got the rights to it, which is unheard of. Like, we beat downtown Toronto to the oh, show. Wow. So I got to play the lead in that, and it was the Canadian premiere, and I don't think anything will ever <laughs> compete with that yeah. to me that was can you unreal. Give, us, give us a few bars of, actually yeah honestly no. i really want to hear it i do don't want to sing fun home do it no well what can you sing one song from that musical Not you don't have to musical. you don't have to i'm putting a lot of pressure on you <laughs> but we, we we don't generally get it's anyone with musical talent on the show yeah, yeah. well yeah. like i although I i'm pretty always, good with the spoons <laughs> See, I like that too. I always sang. I started like I started singing in bars when I was about fifteen in in St. Thomas. Like just when you were drunk, or no? <laughs> um, I, I it was. I I explained this story to someone recently. I in grade eight. You guys love this. I've always been musical. In grade seven, they give you like the instrument that you have to learn in school, mm-hmm. and I played the trombone. Oh, I played the trombone oh, for a little bit. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. ended up playing the trombone for like six years. I loved it. it yeah, was, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it, I was classic yeah. band and jazz band, and I, it, I was plus I was like the only girl who played the trombone because it's yes. usually all the girls usually want to play the flute or the clarinet, and um, I remember my teacher wanted me to play the trombone. I think he just wanted because you were tall. To try something different. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But in grade 8 for like our final music pro- project, he like he said you can you have to perform a solo. So I had reached out to him and said like I want to sing. I'd like to sing and he said <laughs> He said, and I quote, I just don't want to have to fail you. And I said, oh, okay. 
Um, I went in and I sang uh, a Christina Aguilera song and I got a 92 and my parents got a phone call just saying, I'm so sorry. I had no idea she could sing. And then he became my uh, like music teacher outside of school oh. and he had a cover band and I started singing in his cover band when I was like 14, 15. And oh, what kind of songs? Uh, like a lot of Pat Benatar on that's just misogynist. Honestly, yeah. because it was this group of guys, it was it was a lot of like eighties and nineties. Eighties and nineties, like eighties and nineties. Yeah, and then he yeah. let me throw some stuff in there at yeah. the at the time. So, yeah, yeah, I always loved the music stuff, but I just. Especially with what I was interested in after university, the industry just, it made sense. Yeah. It, it just made sense. Mm -hmm. So, and it was perfect. And, and being there, I could, you know, work at night. I could work on weekends and still go in and, and do my auditions throughout, throughout the week during the day. Cause and, you'd often get a call the day before saying you have an audition booked for this right. day and away you go. But when, did you find conflicts? Cause like, I mean, obviously theater is on the weekends as well. So. Yeah. So when I was, when I was still living in Guelph, I, un I unfortunately just never, I never landed anything in Toronto. You know, I would have, I would have loved to, uh, I look at it now and I'm, a, I, I think I'm, I was very green then very fresh. I knew I loved it, but you know, with age grows a little experience and you get mm. better. And, I'm still and, waiting for that, but I hear right? that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I didn't really have so many conflicts there, but when I came here to London, um, I started joining, I, I joined a lot of the community London theater scene and I've just always made it work. And specifically when I was the GM of McCabe's here in London, when I particularly the fun home project, it was a three month commitment of five rehearsals a week. Oh, so Jesus. it was a lot. So what I did was, you know, obviously I spoke to the ownership and they were amazing amazing supportive of me so like i'd work day shifts i'd obviously work weekends mm -hmm. i'd i'd work uh, like i'd i'd work when i could and they'd i'd i made it to every rehearsal oh wow well yeah. and but I, that probably speaks to your work ethic too like if they like i know as an owner like i will make a lot of allowances for people who i want to make sure stay on board mm. right so that i mean yeah. that's a big part of it like if they didn't like if if you were like subpar at your job and then you came in, you was like, by the way, I need five days a week off to rehearse. They'd be They'd like, be like that's great. Take all the days. <laughs> <laughs> Take you them know? all. Yeah. Well, what I think was great was particularly particularly that rehearsal schedule was like a Monday night, Tuesday night. Wednesday night, Thursday night, and a Sunday afternoon. Oh, okay. so like so you can still work I'm there Saturday for the Friday night. Saturday. Yeah. Those yeah. are the. Yeah. The days they want me there, and uh, that was fine, and I was able to get everything else done uh, in the meantime. But, so ta um, talking yeah. about your, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Were you? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, uh, talking about your like sort of experience in the management role. Uh, obviously, you've gravitated that way a lot. Do you yeah. prefer? Do, do you like? Do, how? Because. I always tell anybody I promote to a management role at my bar, I'm just like, it's the shittiest job. Like you're gonna yep. get you're gonna get shit on from above and pissed yep. on from below. So mm -hmm. like do, do you like I it? Like because you've done it a lot. Yeah. I gravitate toward it. Yeah. In almost every job I've had, I've become a supervisor or a manager or like head or a trainer in some capacity. Mm. You know, I have aspirations of like also moving up from this role. I just I gravitate toward that. Um, 
how I think it's because I number one, I love training people. Oh, and okay. I love I love because I have such high standards. I think that's what works out so well for me. Mm. And if we trained other people to have the same set of standards, I think work return will go up. Mm-hmm. That's just my thought. But in general, I just, I, I agree from the industry standpoint. So you think of it this way. If you're managing, you're not bartending. You're probably getting a little more per hour, but not making the tips. No, so, you're, you're definitely taking a pay cut. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But for me, as as much as I love the the love the industry, it's not that I loved. I love the industry. I'm still a you know a branch of this industry. Hundred percent. Yeah. I've needed these management steps to you know get even get me to the career that I have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. there's something to say is just you know possibly staying as a server or just a bartender and never going up from there. It it just may not lead to as many opportunities. So would you say that like your personal um, strive for perfection in all areas of your life is probably why you enjoy a little more control when you're at work. Do I sound like that much of a freak? <laughs> no, it's not, I, I, that's not a bad thing. I, no, not at all. I'm, I'm just not like, kidding. Like, during uh, during the COVID lockdown, I bought this textbook workbook to simmer my ass down. It was called the Perfectionist Workbook, and it's to <laughs> remind me to cool my jets. And there's some things I can't control, and that I should just you know, be content with the things hey, the way they are. If it makes you feel better, like I literally sleep maybe three to four hours a night because I'm too fucking stressed out all the time because I'm always worried about little bullshit. When, so you're not I, alone. You're not alone in this. When I was like, GMing that bar, I literally describe it as I was working eight days a week. I was always on call. Yeah. If someone needed a question answered, I'd always answer my phone. I'm, I was... I was married. I'm now divorced. But when I got married, I went to Mexico. I answered my phone in Mexico. Yeah, I do that shit all the time. And like, that's, why, that's why I'm saying, like, like yeah. you're not a freak. I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of you. And that's why I was like, I recognized it immediately. Like, sometimes, even though you know it's a shittier job that you're going to make is. less money for, you'd rather have it because you have a, a semblance of control over what's going on around Absolutely. You. And you have yeah. a control to make sure that that establishment doesn't look like shit. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're not serving up to my standards. You got a bad review. Okay. How, what can we do to fix this? Yeah. What do you need? What do you need like training on and whatnot? But it was just also, I think for me, once something's associated with me and I'm the manager, I don't want any negatives, yeah. you know? Okay. That's anything. a good, uh, that's a good thing to talk about right now, actually, because it's something else we haven't talked Your about Your last yet. episode was reviews, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk to you about that. Like, it's hard not to like I I have basically like th- that episode was because I had never read any of them. So like cuz I don't read <laughs> I don't read the, I don't read the fucking reviews. I think they're bullshit. They're yeah. stupid and like it's obvious nobody nobody sits well I mean we we're, we're lucky. We've had quite a few good ones, but very few people like post a comment if they're pleased, right? right. So you're basically you're opening right. you're opening yourself up for failure right away yes. when you start reading it. and all 90% of them are so ignorant as to what was going on that night. I'm not saying that none of those reviews are accurate. Sometimes people have bad nights. But mm-hmm. who, mm-hmm. the problem with this new system of like online reviews, who qualified these motherfuckers to judge this? Like they don't, like back in the, in the old, in the halcyon days of, uh, of restaurant reviews, 
you had to be an established critic who wrote for a fucking newspaper mm-hmm. to come to your restaurant and and was qualified because they do it for a living. That's what they do. They go to restaurants and they go to bars and they know what they're looking for. These yeah. fucking idiots can post whatever they want at all times. So how do you feel about that? And are you able to let it go? <laughs> uh, Laura... Mm. Yeah. It depends on the situation. Yeah, okay. I really, I really think it's depending on the situation. Um, when I was still in the industry, we would, if we got bad reviews, um, management Laura would immediately respond, reach out to them, say, "I'm so sorry for your your poor experience. I'd like to invite you out for an evening out on yeah. us." Yeah, even you if know? you knew it was bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, there's there's stuff like that, but I've also experienced it before where there's you know, I had a situation where there was a party there. I was the I was the bartender. Mm-hmm. And someone ordered a shot of tequila. It was Jose. Yeah. So they say you're like, you watered down the tequila. I'm like, No, it's like, no, you ordered watered down tequila. No, you, well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's our tequila. And yeah. I said, here's a new one. There you go. Yeah. You can have it. But no, I poured the original one. Later on that night... They ended up calling and trying to complain, saying the bartender is watering down your your tequila. We want to complain. And I just said, okay, well, your bartender was me. I'm the general manager. We don't water down our tequila. We have a really good inventory process. I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And then they went on to harass us on Facebook uh, they posted a bad review, but then they would send me messages like, we're going to get you. Next thing you we're know... get you. <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets better. Next thing you know, AGCO comes in, wants to book a meeting with me. What? So I knew exactly what this was about. So I printed off every message these people sent to me. I messaged every review they sent. So sure enough, they come in for the meeting and... She said, oh, we got a report that, you know, you were watering down your tequila. I'm like, well, that's not the case. I handed her the stack of This stuff. is the she, Bible. Boom. Yep. She looked <laughs> it over and she goes, that's all I need and leaves. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I, that's, like, it's yeah. for me situ- situationally. Yeah, sure. Mm, yeah. I would want to, like, depending on the review, you know, I, I sometimes would just want to be like, well, F off. Yeah. F off. You, well, you, you know, know you can't really do it. She, we can't yeah. do that. Yeah. So from a management standpoint, you know, I think it's better to take the high road and apologize for their poor experience and off invite them back for another go. Right. But what is your opinion in general about like how this like restaurant and bar reviews has spilled out into like unqualified people online? I think it's like, crap. I think yeah. it's crap. And half the time these people are just looking for free stuff. Yes, that's exactly what Am I right? Looking. And we have to fucking give it to them. And it's like, that's bullshit. Like, I know. Like, like, just think about... I also think, like, that story you just told us. Imagine all the fucking time it took this person to harass you online over a shot of tequila. He, like, they were so mad. They what's were going so on in mad. your life that you, A, get that upset about something like that? The rest of your life must be pretty easy. And B, yeah. the that you have the fucking time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was nuts. But you know what? Like you said, there are industry days. And here's I just think everyone in their life for one week should work in the industry. Yeah. Oh, my God. You need to work in the industry. Testify, Nielsen. Testify. (laughs) You need to you need to work. 
to realize how people treat you. You need to work in the industry to realize how much multitasking and brain power you actually have to use. People look down on industry people and think, oh, they're not, they, I'm sorry, but industry people could probably rule the fucking world. I'm going to give you a slow clap right now. And I'm going to tell you that was the perfect place to end this. Laura, you're awesome. You're one of my favorite people. Thanks for coming on Yay. the show. That was super fun. And uh, and well, I'm going to see you soon because we're doing Shit at Sugar Run. So, yes, we yes. are. Yeah. Okay. So thanks again for coming on the show. It was amazing. Laura Nielsen, if anyone is owns a bar, look, head up, hit, up, oh, hit up PMA. I'll try and get that out. Hit up PMA. Hit up Laura Nielsen. We'll put all her info in the show notes so you can get a hold of her. That's uh, right. Is there anything you want to add social media-wise or a ways that people in the industry can get a hold of you to do business? Let's do business. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I'll give you my Instagram handle. Yeah. It's... I need to look it up. She's, look, she's literally looking it I'm up. Literally, so it's lonielson1234. I'm on Instagram. You can also find me, Laura Nielsen, on Facebook. Um, okay. Otherwise, you can just reach out to PMA directly. And if you're in the KW, London region, Guelph, Cambridge, I'm your girl. You get the, the glory of Laura. All right. Yay. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for doing this. Thank that you was guys. super fun. Thank I you very much. Thank you.